You know, clothing often distinguishes who we are. Have you noticed that? Especially when it comes to a uniform dress. Um, I don't know if it's a uniform or not, but it seems like all of our judges in the United States wear a black robe, right? You know, the, you know who the judge is in the courtroom, right? Not only does he have that big hammer, the mallet, right? He's got the black robe. Um, athletes, you watch uh, any sports, you'll know that it really helps when the teams have different uniforms and when they're not the same colors. You can tell who's who because of their uniform. You can tell which team they're on. Look at the crowd. You can tell the, who, who's, who the fans are rooting for depending on what clothing they're wearing, right? Police officers go into the community and you'll find a police officer who is wearing a uniform, right? and a shield and some identifying characteristics about him because of his or her uniform. Members of the military, they wear uniforms. I happen to have, there's one branch of the service who I think has the best uniform of all, um, but, you know, the, the military personnel wear a uniform, right? And you can tell that they're a part of the service because of the, the dress that they wear. It's very common for a certain type of dress to reflect one's vocation, isn't it? Um, recently, I was in a grocery store, and, and I can spot a nurse after she's on her way home from work, right? You can, any nurses in here? You go to the store after work, you're right, you're wearing those white shoes and the, the colorful outfit that says, that's a nurse. Because you, you go to the hospital, you see they're wearing the same outfit, right? So I can tell a nurse when I see one in a grocery store, you do that, you go around in the community and you see different people dressed different ways and you can identify kind of who they are by what they're wearing. It's the same, I want to say it's the same for believers, but I want to be careful in how I say that. Because I'm not talking about, when I talk about believers, I'm not talking about our physical clothing. Although, I do want to say this, I, I won't, I'm not going to even begin to suggest a dress code, okay, for believers. But I will say this, as believers, that's the Holy Spirit's job to give us a dress code, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit's work in us as He changes us and makes us Christ-like. It kind of changes the way we attire ourselves, doesn't it? That's all I'm going to say about external clothing. What I want to talk about this morning is the kind of clothing, the spiritual clothing that we wear, and the spiritual identifying characteristics about us. The Holy Spirit changes us, and as the Holy Spirit changes us and helps us learn how to dress in public, physically, He also helps us learn how to dress spiritually, how to put on a spiritual dress. Um, Police officers, they have that distinct uniform that identifies them right away, right? Uh, If you're in the U.S. Marines, you have this uniform that looks really good, right? Everybody knows that that's the best one out there, right? The best uniform there is. Those guys, you can tell who they are by the way they're dressed. I want you to know this morning, I want you to be challenged with this thought, that as believers, there ought to be a spiritual dress that we wear, that we clothe ourselves with, that we put on as we go into this community, as we go into this world, that ought to be apparent to others. You know, as a father of eight children, I have a responsibility, a huge responsibility, because I've got eight children, to train my children for the Lord, right? That's a huge responsibility. One child is a huge responsibility. Two children are a huge responsibility. All right? I I can identify with those who have children. It's my responsibility to help them to learn the things that are appropriate behavior. Right? And it's also my responsibility to help them learn 
the things that are inappropriate behavior. Uh, we practice at home a lot. And, you know, around the dinner table, it seems like we come up with a lot of good ones. Oh, don't do that. Please don't do that. Please learn not to do that, okay? That's, that's embarrassing. That, don't eat that way. Don't, you know, use... Not my kids, just the neighborhood kids when they come in, right? <laughs> we, we find that we do a lot of training and a lot of instructing, but that's our responsibility. And I find that that is uh, an important responsibility to help, help our young people understand what is appropriate behavior and what is inappropriate behavior. I remember uh, one time we walked into a gift store with our bowls in the china closet, you know. Um, they weren't, though. We went into this gift store, and we could see the clerk behind the counter. I was like, oh, no. Look at those. Oh, my. Eight children. Eight. Oh, my. Oh. You could just see her kind of cringing, thinking, you know, her paycheck's going to be walloped in half that week, you know. And fortunately, we didn't break anything. And I think I remember her saying the kids were well-behaved before we left. And so, you know, we were okay there. But we tried to... When we go places, you know, when you go with eight children somewhere, if you don't know what it's like, you can come and borrow mine. Take eight children somewhere, people will look at you. You know, they go, look at that. We've had people come running up to us and go, are all eight of these yours? It's like, wow, you took time to count them. <laughs> are all eight of these, you know, you get noticed a little bit. So we try to be... We try to be mindful of our neighbors in the community. When we go out, we try to be cautious. And we try to, okay, okay. when we go to this place, be, you know, just be quiet, all right? And don't tip anything over if you, if you can avoid it. And, and, and let's not make too much of a fuss. When we went camping a, a, week, a couple weeks ago, we pulled in and we had borrowed a trailer and put all of our bikes in this trailer, 10 bikes in this trailer, and all of our camping gear. It looked hilarious. Yeah, it looked, like, looked funny. We got pictures of it. You can see them later. Um, all the bikes in this trailer. We pull into our camping spot and we get out and it takes. I'm, you know, I plan. You know, I get out and I strategize with the guys. Okay, where's the tent's going to? Where the tent's going to go? Where's the fire going to be? All this stuff. A picnic table. We get it all mapped out. So it takes us a good ten minutes before we even get anything out of the trailer. Again, okay, this is where everything's going to go. While we're standing there talking, our new neighbors pulled in for the week and pulled up ahead of us and kind of looked over. And I think, I think they look like they're looking at that space next to ours, like that's their space. And then that guy looked back at us and. He, I, I could see a little bit of fear on his face when he, to ten, ten people camping next to me this week. Oh man, and um, he drove away. Um, and about ten minutes later, he drove back and backed into his space and started setting up. And I thought, I wonder if he went and asked if he could find someplace else to camp this week because he was afraid of you know camping beside us. We try very hard to not overstay our welcome and um, impose on people's sensibilities when we go somewhere. We're sensitive that way. We try to put on a we try to put on a spiritual attire, right? Not because, and it's definitely not because we're good parents. I know that we're far from that, but because we want to glorify God everywhere we go. We want to point people to, to Jesus Christ with the way we carry ourselves as a family, as the way we raise the children to present themselves in this world in which we live. Times like that are good opportunities to be a witness. Um, I was very encouraged. At the end of our week, um, a fellow came up just as we were loading up to leave and came across uh, the campgrounds and said some very kind words to us about our family, very kind words to us about the behavior of our children. It's like, praise God, you know. Um, I praise the Lord for that, not because of anything that we've done. It's just an opportunity to share 
the goodness of Jesus Christ in the way that we clothe ourselves in a spiritual Christ-likeness. I'm not alone in that. You're not alone in that. Um, Carolyn Mahaney shares an instance where her family was able to have a good witness. Carolyn Mahaney is the wife of C.J. Mahaney. Some of you have read C.J.'s book, uh, Humility. She writes, several years ago, while we were on a family outing, a gentleman approached my husband and said, Sir, I've been observing you for some time, and I've never seen a family relate like yours. How do you do it? My husband and I and our children had simply been enjoying one another's company, laughing together and showing affection. But what was, what was ordinary interaction between our family members was curiously attractive to the stranger. Our behavior provided C.J. the opportunity to share the gospel with him. My husband explained that we are simply a family of sinners, but sinners whose lives have been transformed by the power of the gospel. And that was the reason for the difference this man observed. Those are opportunities to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Do you know, you know this, don't you, that people are watching you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as somebody who goes to the church down the street from where you live, right? People are watching you. People are watching how you conduct yourselves. You know, as children of God, we have many opportunities in the way we present ourselves to this world, to reflect the grace that has been shown to us. You realize you have been shown a great measure of grace by Jesus Christ. If you don't, I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. I want you to know and understand the kind of grace that God has shown you and the kind of responsibility that you have to show that grace to others in the way that you present yourselves to the world. There are some very distinct spiritually formed garments that are to be worn by the child of God. Some very distinct And I say that they're spiritually formed because they can't be formed by a list of man-made rules. That's why I'm not giving you a dress code, okay? I say get to know God, get to know His Word, and let the Holy Spirit form your thinking about how you should attire yourselves in this world. But there are some spiritually formed garments that we ought to be wearing. And I'm not talking about physical garments, I'm talking about the spiritual aspect of our lives. There are some very distinct spiritually formed garments that are being worn by a child of God. And I want to show you what those spiritually formed garments look like. And we're going to begin to unpack this this morning and talk about this over the next couple of weeks, Lord willing. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3, would you please? Colossians chapter 3, I want to begin at verse 12. And I'm going to read verses 12, 13, and 14 this morning. This is going to be the focus of today's study and the coming studies, Lord willing, in weeks ahead. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I want you to follow along with me as I read from God's Word. Colossians 3, 12. Put on then. You see the clothing metaphor there? The spiritual garments. Here they come. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Father, we bow our hearts before you right now, and I pray that you would teach us from your word, instruct us, with these passages and the passages from your word that you will direct our thinking to today, help us to be mindful of the spiritual clothing that you would have us attire ourselves with. It would be be bringing great glory to you in the way that we live. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I want our focus today to be on the first part of verse 12, the part I just read. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. In the coming weeks, we're going to take a closer look at the type of spiritual for, spiritually formed garments that are befitting a child of God. We're going to take a closer look at the kind of spiritually formed behavior that should characterize those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. And just as I have a certain expectation for the behavior of my children, so our Heavenly Father has certain expectations for His children. That can be seen in the command here in verse 12 to put on. And there are some very specific behaviors that we're going to put on, that we ought to be putting on, we're going to talk about and taking a closer look at in the coming weeks. But today, we're going to focus on the fact that the way we are dressed spiritually as believers reflects the grace that has been shown to us. The way that we are clothed and attired spiritually reflects the grace that has been shown to us. I want you to note this with me today, that because of God's grace, we are chosen... We are holy, and we are beloved. Alright? Pretty simple outline. Follow along with me. Number one, if you are a child of God, you are chosen. If you are a child of God, you are chosen. How precious it is to know that we are God's chosen ones. In the Old Testament, we see the story of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And that story, as it unfolds, it's an interesting thing to note that God didn't choose them because they were some special pick. Okay, God didn't choose them because there was something special about them. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 says something very different. It says it this way, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was, and here's the reason, for God's love, because the Lord loves you. It was because the Lord loves you, you are chosen. You see, God loved the Israelites. They were His special chosen people. But it wasn't due to any merit of their own. It didn't have anything to do with anything that they had done or accomplished or the number of Israelites. It had everything to do with God's love. The Lord Jesus shows us His love. The Lord Jesus has shown us His love in the fact that He went to a cruel cross to be crucified for us, to take the punishment for our sins. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are identifying with Jesus Christ. You are one of God's chosen ones. God didn't look down on us and say one day, Wow, look at that guy. Or look at that lady. Or look at that young person. Look at that girl or boy. Boy, they're... There's something else. They're going to be a really good people when they grow up or when they you know, get on with life. Boy, there's something else there. I'm going to choose them. God didn't do that. God didn't look down on us and say, wow, really great people. No. No, we were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. Can you fathom that? We were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. That's very clear in Ephesians 1.4 where it says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. 
You know, as God's chosen ones, we have been saved by Him and not by any of our own merit, but purely by His mercy and His love. We haven't done anything to deserve to be chosen. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us. It says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but, on a, but, but according to His own mercy. It was on account of His mercy toward us. According to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You guys remember um, in grade school when you picked teams? You remember that? In grade school, in elementary school, when you picked teams, there would be two captains, usually the most popular people in the class, and they'd get together. Oh, they're going to pick teams. They're the captains, right? Did you all play dodgeball growing up? When I was in elementary school, we played dodgeball sometimes. I survived, too, amazingly enough. It was not my favorite game, and it wasn't because I got demolished by that great big rubber bouncy ball and got my head bounced off the brick wall more than once. It wasn't because of that. I didn't like the game so much because usually I was the last one chosen. When I was a little guy, I was a little guy. I was spindly and, and weak and very uncoordinated and gangly and uh, very, very uns, you know, un, unskilled as a sportsman, right? And so not only was I not the team captain, but I also wasn't the, the first one chosen. I was usually the last one chosen. Um, that's a tough place to be, you know, when you're a kid, the last one chosen. You know, who are the ones that go first in a, in a dodgeball game? They, they pick the ones who are either the, the good friends of the captain, right? The captain chooses his best friend first. And then he starts looking for the ones who can throw that ball 90 miles an hour, right, and take somebody's head off. And you work your way down until you get to little spindly Kevin Pierpont, you know, who can barely carry his wet pants around if he walks through a mud puddle, right? And, and can barely get in and out of the classroom without falling over because he's so clumsy. And, well, he's last. Yeah, nobody wants him. Why did those other people get chosen first? Because either they were liked by the team captain, right? Or they had some skill, I'm telling you that it's very different in God's perspective. It is extremely different. It's very different. There is absolutely nothing that we could do to save ourselves. There's absolutely nothing that I can do to save myself in God's perspective. But by God's mercy, but by God's grace, He saves us. He has washed us clean. We have been regenerated. We have been renewed. God didn't choose us because we're something special. I hate to break it to you, but you're not something special. Okay? Not not in God's realm. Now, your mother thinks you're special. Okay? So just be encouraged. But God says, no, no, I'm not choosing you because you're special. I'm choosing you because I love you. His love to us while we were still sinners is apparent. It's spoken of again and again in the Scriptures. Aren't you glad that God chooses us in spite of our sin? Romans 5.8 makes very clear God's grace in our lives, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners. Don't even begin to think that you straightened your life out before God chose you. Because you weren't getting right with God before He chose you. 
God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we would never see God's grace if He waited for us to become a righteous people. You realize that, don't you? We would never know God's grace if He waited for us to become a righteous people. It never happened. What a privilege it is to be chosen by God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We are God's chosen ones. He called us out of darkness. He called us into His marvelous light. If you're a child of God today, you can know you are one of His chosen ones. And that is why we put on new garments, new spiritually formed garments. We put on new attitudes and we put on new actions to reflect whose we are and to bring Him glory. And not only are we chosen, but we are also holy. We're holy. That's number two. If you're a child of God, you are holy. The idea here of us being holy is that we are set apart. We are set apart. We are distinct from unbelievers who are lost in sin. In choosing us, God has made us holy. You realize again, too, that that's not something that you do. It's something God does. God makes you holy. He has set us apart, and that is why we put on the new spiritually formed apparel. It reflects the fact that God has made us holy. He has set us apart. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 remind us, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. As Warren Wiersbe says it, we're not our own. We belong completely to Him. Just as the marriage ceremony set apart, um, set apart a man and a woman for each other exclusively, so salvation sets the believer apart exclusively for Jesus Christ. Would it not be a horrible thing at the end of a wedding to see the groom run off with a maid of honor? It is just as horrible to contemplate the Christian living for the world and the flesh. If you're a child of God, you're chosen. If you're a child of God, you are holy. You are set apart for Christ. Number three, if you're a child of God, you are beloved. You are beloved. We are chosen, we are holy, and we are beloved. God's grace is displayed in His love for us. And God's grace displayed in His love for us is apparent throughout the Scriptures. But I want to take just a moment and share with you just a handful of Scriptures that remind us of God's love for us. 1 John 3.1 says, So what kind of love, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. See it. You see it in, in what Jesus Christ has done for us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. What a precious title 
to be a child of God. Romans 1.7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. 1 John 4.11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Ephesians 5.1, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. It's a special thing to be loved and to be one of God's beloved. God loves us. And God's love, it's not, it's not fickle. It's not wishy-washy. It's not hot and cold and on one day and off the next. It's not conditional either like Marie's love for Jimmy. Marie writes to Jimmy, Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the greatest unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. (laughs) Talk about a fickle, conditional love, right? What a fickle kind of love is that? God is not that way. God doesn't say, oh yeah, P.S. Nice hairstyle. You're one of mine now. You know? Or nice, nice way you gave in the offering Sunday. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't look at those things to determine whether or not we are His and whether we're beloved and whether we're chosen or whether we're holy. Richard Halverson said it very well when he put it this way, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, perfect. And to that we can say, praise the Lord. Amen? God's grace is demonstrated in our lives by His unconditional love for us. We are His beloved. It's beyond our comprehension that God should love us, and yet He sure does. If you get over that, um, I'd be amazed. If you stop and think about God's unconditional love for you, you should never get used to thinking about how unbelievable that is and how much grace and mercy God has shown you in spite of your sin and mine. You know, the term here, beloved, as used here, is a term of affection. It's a term of intimacy. It's used to describe those who are God's children. I want you to imagine the creator of the universe having a personal love for each of his children. I love each of my children dearly. I have an intimate, personal love for each and every one of them. I don't love them just as a group of children. They're, they're easy to love that way. But I love them as individuals. And God loves us so much more that way than even a human father or parent could ever love his children. I want you to imagine the creator of the universe loves you. The creator of everything loves you. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. His child. How blessed we are. How gracious God is in loving us. 
He loves us in spite of ourselves. Don't ever forget that. God loves you in spite of yourself. He loved us while we were still sinners. And to prove His love for us, He sent His Son to the cross to die for us. As 1 John 4.19 makes it very clear, we love Him because He first loved us. We didn't love Him first. He loved us first. We love Him because He first loved us. And you know what? We love others as a result of that initiative that God took toward us. We love others because God first loved us. Those words as you leave this morning, look to the right and up. The words, loving God, loving people on the wall there as you come and go. They're a great reminder to us of our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ. To show people the love that God has shown us. To show people, all people, the love that God has initiated toward us. We are to love God and we are to love others as we love ourselves. We don't have any trouble loving ourselves, do we? It's not an unusual day for me to be thinking about myself first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. You? Yeah? It's easy for us to take care and love ourselves. And God's Word reminds us, love God and love people like you love yourself. Put them ahead of yourself. And this is only possible because God has first loved us. It's only possible because of God's love shown toward us. And as His children, we are His beloved. Now God has clearly shown us His grace. And it's evident in the fact that we are chosen and we are holy and we are beloved. None of these we are capable of creating ourselves. None of these are are something that we're able to make up ourselves. We can't make ourselves beloved. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't make ourselves chosen by God. These are all God's doing. And because God has been gracious to us, we have a duty as God's children to put on gracious, Christ-like garments. We have a duty. We are to put on spiritually formed clothing that reflects the grace that has been shown to each of us. And our response to the grace that God has shown us is in choosing us is making us holy. He does a work in us that makes us holy and And loving us should be seen in our extending grace to others as we become more Christ-like, and we should be becoming more Christ-like. As we do so, we should be able to show the love of God toward others more easily and more quickly. We should be characterized by garments of graciousness. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, we need to put on garments of Christ-likeness that distinguish us as His children. I guarantee you, if you go into this world and you put on Christ-like, spiritually formed garments, people will notice something is different. They may not know until they ask you and you tell them, but they'll know something is different. As we're going to see in the weeks to come, by putting on new, spiritually formed clothing, we have an opportunity A tremendous opportunity to display the gospel in the midst of our relationships. 
When we're a people who are compassionate, when we're a people who are kind, when we're humble and patient and forgiving and loving, we'll be living a witness for Jesus Christ. We will be a living witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People will notice and people will have questions for you about why the difference. And you'll have a tremendous opportunity to share about the love of Jesus Christ shown you and God's grace and mercy shown you. Are you wearing spiritually formed garments this morning? Are your spiritual garments worthy of Jesus Christ? Are your spiritually formed garments apparent that they make you a child of God? Have you put off the old clothing? Remember, we need to get rid of the old self, the old nature, the sin nature, and put it to death. And to put on the new, are you putting on the new? Are you thankful for the grace that God has shown you? Are you seeking to be a person who is extending grace to others? And that's going to take some work. May God help us who are chosen, holy, and beloved to adorn ourselves in a manner that reflects God's wonderful grace. We need God's help. I know I need God's help. And I'm pretty sure you need God's help. May God help us to adorn ourselves in spiritually formed garments that honor Jesus Christ and reflect the grace that we enjoy. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want you to know that you can make these same garments yours today if you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior As we've talked about God's grace and God's mercy toward us by giving Jesus Christ to die on a cross for for us, that includes you. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do not let another day pass you by. As we close with a word of prayer this morning, you can pray right where you're at and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and save you from your sin, believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. I would love to meet with you. I would love to share with you how you could know Christ. I know that there are others here, our deacons and their wives, would love to share with you how you could know Christ. Don't let another day pass you by. Experience God's grace and mercy. Experience the love of God and begin to put on the spiritually formed garments of Christ's child. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we come together, we have gathered in your midst to worship you, to learn from your word, to be encouraged and built up for the week ahead as well. Lord, we ask for those things to be true in our hearts and lives, that we would be prepared to be a Christ-like people in the week ahead. Lord, I pray as we come back to Your Word again and again and find these precious promises and precious truths and timely reminders of how we need to be putting on the Christ-like things. Lord, help us to put them on. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, and help us be a compassionate people and a kind people and a humble people and a meek people and a patient people. Help us to bear with one another and help us 
if there are complaints against one another, to forgive each other. Never forgetting the forgiveness that we've experienced because of Jesus Christ and His love for us. Lord, help us to, above all things, to put on love. Remembering that these things bind us together in perfect harmony. Lord, help us to truly love you with everything that we have. And help us to love people as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.